0: All right. So, good morning and happy Easter to everybody here. Um, I'm going to start out with a. I'm going to be in the the book of Luke. Also, I'm going to add a little, hopefully, dimension. Luke chapter number twenty three. Um, as we think about Christ on the cross, and we think about. God's plan, okay, and that's what I want to put into place is God's plan has no mistakes. We've talked about this with faith, and we've talked about it, we've looked at what has happened in so many ways, what God has done and what looks like over the last year, even, what looks like, wow, there's, it's going wrong. And the whole thing is, God's plan is not going wrong. All right, God has put things in place in a perfect place just for the right reason. All right. So, sometimes, I've had times where I've had what I would call a revelation from from God, and I don't mean any great big prophetic dream or anything like that, okay? Just usually a thought, a word sometimes, an image maybe, in my mind, not necessarily a physical image, although I've had times where I think God has spoken and led me to something in such a way, and I'm, I wanna look at that aspect of it, okay? I wanna look at the aspect of this today. It was over 10 years ago, or just about 10 years ago now, that I was up in Rochester, and I had been in the car, probably listening, I don't even remember exactly what I was listening to, but I had been listening, to a preacher, probably some songs, things like that, and thinking, thinking in my mind. We had just recently purchased our land, okay? The ones that most of you all have been to and had events on, youth group things, all the things that we do on our property, and we were at the time trying to set up a um, dedication. We had a little dedication time. We literally had 10 feet carved out of a little driveway in the property and wasn't much more than that. We put the sign that we had painted, okay, up there finally. And and that was kind of an afterthought that we did, but we had like a dedication. We said, we want to use this property for God. And the one day Early on while we had just purchased the property. I was thinking about this and trying to think what what are we going to do with this and, and What do you want me to do? Kind of really with an open mind and I remember I walked into Home Depot Okay, not my favorite place. Don't love it. Okay, but oftentimes Walked in there early morning or something. It was before work one morning And I went to one in Rochester quick and I had to grab something. And I turned down the aisle, and it was I, re- I still remember the very spot where it was in the store. I turned down the aisle when I first walked into the store, and I hadn't planned on turning down this aisle, but I just sort of turned and walked. It was that garden seasonal aisle. And as, as I was walking, I was looking, and all of a sudden, I saw a piece of what they call like statuary, okay? And it was a nifty, um, it was a really nifty fountain. And it had a little lion's head on it, okay? And it was a fake, look, it was like fake rock and there was a little lion's head and the lion spit water out with it. And at that moment, in my mind was that impression that revelation, we'll call it, okay, that I think God said to me at that moment, Aslan's Acres. Okay? And it was a series of things that came about. Me standing in Home Depot, okay, and seeing the little statuary with the with the lion head on it, and my mind going back to C.S. Lewis books and different things that we had that we had looked at, and that was the moment where that idea was born, okay? But God had me in those places for a reason. That morning, for some reason, I turned to the right and didn't go straight ahead to get what I wanted. I, went, I turned to the right and walked down that aisle. And that morning, for whatever reason, that lion head thing was there. And it wasn't right in front. As I recall, it was on an upper shelf sitting there but I noticed it as I walked by. God does things for a reason. All right? There, there's no mistake. No mistake, even when we think there is. So, that little twinge of truth and light at that moment, you get to see things where God is saying, I'm trying to help you understand something. So today, we looked at Christ on the cross in the sermon, okay? And we saw the things that happened to him. And we saw how Pilate wrote a sign above the cross, right? And what did it say? King of the Jews, okay? King of the Jews, And what was often what happened was they would put the crime of the person who was being crucified above their head. Just as something to really uh, humiliate them even more. To say this is what happens in the Roman Empire when someone does this. When someone kills someone, murder. And that's how you knew what that what the other people on the cross did. Because it would say it in multiple languages. So that everybody walking by, whether you were a Roman citizen of more high birth, where you knew the Latin language, or more common okay where you'd know Greek and that's more common people at the time or you were a Hebrew where you only knew your native tongue okay and it was in Hebrew so in all the languages of the people that might pass by they put them up there and here is what I am thinking about this whole thing is that it was not a mistake Pilate was asked by the Jews, in fact he wrote it out and the Jews came back that had said we want him crucified, we want you to, want you to put him on that cross. They came back and they said you can't put the cross on there that he is the king of the Jews. Take it down and said he, you need to say he said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said I have written what I have written. Now was it God that gave that twinge to Pilate? Or did he do it in anger and say, you can't tell me what to do? It really doesn't matter because God already knew the circumstance and he knew that it would be there. And he knew what was happening. right. So we too are looking at the thief on the cross this morning in the light of that, okay? In the light of that sign, one of those things that God put in place, not by accident, okay? So Luke chapter number 23, verse number 32 through 34, as again we set the scenes and we look at these people. 32 through 34, if you would, please. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were came to the place, which is called Calvary, they, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his uh, raiment and cast off. Okay, so here, here's an interesting A malefactor is a word we don't use anymore, all right? But mal is one of those uh, prefixes that means bad, all right? Mal, in, uh, if, a word that in English, like if you have a malady not a melody but a malady okay that means you have a sickness or something's bad something's wrong with you so that's that word comes from that these are bad people okay these are people that have done crimes criminals we might use the word for that or they're really rotten to the core people all right so here they are now, and here's the interesting thing about this This morning we talked about Barabbas and Barabbas is their leader. We think these are the two thieves that worked with Barabbas and probably not only stole but murdered with Barabbas. And of course Barabbas was set free and Jesus was put in his place. And they were going to put Barabbas in the center to say here's the leader of these two guys. Watch when you walk by. People read their crimes on that sign. Pay attention to what they've done because this is what the Roman government does to keep control of lowlifes like this. Don't think you're going to stand up against this government because we are way stronger than you and we will crush you. All right, That's that's their sign. The whole point. When they put somebody on the hill of Calvary, okay, Calvary was one of the highest pinnacles in the city. Not because they were glorifying them, but because they wanted everyone to see. Everyone. This was meant to shame people. And as they were on the cross, they, after they had been nailed on the cross, They had, basically, their joints came out, okay? Because you have no support, but where it goes through your hands and through your feet. And the only way you can give your ability to be able to exhale is to push up, okay? And try to straighten yourself out because your lungs are set in such a way when everything's coming out of joint where you can breathe in and breathe in and breathe in and breathe in and breathe in. in in you can't exhale until you push up and give yourself something these people are meant to be tortured that's what the whole point is and not just tortured in private but tortured in a public way all right it is meant to be terrible now as they walk by as they walk what they call the Via Della Rosa okay and it is a road that basically winds up through Jerusalem and gets up to the hill of Calvary okay Calvary gets up there, and they are there to carry at least a portion of their cross. Now, they, there is a... Nobody's quite sure exactly, because it happened so many different ways. Nobody's quite sure whether they carried an entire cross or just the arm piece, which would have been a big beam, essentially. But you were forced to, to carry it through the town. Also meant to make a procession. And then, they actually paid mourners to wail and scream, to bring more drama to it, and terror. Now, if you saw this, it really was a ghastly sight. I mean, there's nothing good about it, but these men, not like Jesus. Jesus, says by the time he got to the cross, he had been so torn and beaten and Disfigured that the Bible says he was actually not recognizable. All right, which means where do you recognize somebody? Your face. Your face. It's been so torn, whether where he they pulled his beard out, slapped him, hit him, the crown of thorns, and as they whipped him, all right, the pieces of the whip would come around. Okay, and this was a professional soldier, not a wimp. Okay, this is a serious professional soldier that would come, and his point was to give them 40 lashes, or minus one, because one was mercy, they figured. People died after 40 lashes. Most people couldn't take the pain. So he would go, and it wouldn't just be a piece of leather. It was a piece of leather with bits of bone and glass and ceramics and things, steel, whatever they can, sharp edges they can put in it. Kind of like a fishing hook. You ever had a fishing hook caught in your skin somewhere? And if it really gets caught, you can't get it out. And what do you end up doing? It tears, right? Well, what they did is on, on these... Had a nine tails essentially they had all these bits of bone and bits of things that they had taken and as they they put it across their back it would come around the front and they would just tear every time tear all the way through and he'd rip it back and tear so no doubt not just across the back shoulders and face I mean Jesus is said again unrecognizable Okay. And I'm here to let you know still that Jesus is lucid. He is understanding what's going on. He has not succumbed to the pain to a point where he's passed out. But as he carries his cross up this pathway, essentially he he falls because he has he's been so badly beaten, he has no energy. No strength left. And that's where they choose a man out of the crowd to carry the cross the rest of the way. His name was Simon the Cyrenian. So he is, you carry the cross for him. So they, they pick it up and they basically drag him up the rest of the hill. Jesus, of course, after he is crucified, dies early. After about three hours. The other two thieves have not been beaten so badly. We don't know if they've been whipped at all, but, but it appears that they have not been beaten badly. They are, have more strength left in them. Now, when I said crucifixion is meant to torture, typical crucifixions lasted two or three days. And they would put a healthy person with a lot of strength, and nail them to that cross, and a lot of times they'd leave them there. And they'd let them go for two or three days, and that's how long it would take, just in excruciating agony, to kill them. It was, like I said, meant to be cruel, and it was. But on this day, there was some respect, I guess, for the Sabbath day that they said we don't want dead bodies on the cross on a Sabbath day and so they went and in an act of mercy the soldiers would go and take a great big heavy-ended club and break their legs okay? that was meant to have mercy for them and essentially what happens is then they can't push up anymore because they literally bust their kneecaps out or break their legs in half whatever they could do and then they just hung there. And the last few breaths they took were, were terrible. Couldn't take much until they just died in their own asphyxiation. Okay. Their lungs just stopped because they couldn't exhale anymore. Okay. Terrible, awful death. But while this is happening, and it seems terrible. I mean, we have nothing like this in our society today. We don't have any public firing squads. We don't have any public beatings or hangings or even stocks. There's nothing like this in our society. Everything is done. All punishment is done behind the scenes, locked away somewhere, in some prison. Okay, Put in a place out of public sight. But this was meant through fear to hold the public under control. That's what they wanted, right? Nowadays, you know, they say, well, oh, we'll put you in jail or something, and we, we don't we don't have the same thing in our society. So here they are with this terrible thought, and they're hanging on the cross, and one thing that's, that's interesting, and I don't know this, you know, you always see the pictures of the crosses like this, right? There's three crosses in a row, we don't know exactly which way they faced, but we do know this, that the thief, both thieves on the cross could see what was on Jesus' cross to read the sign and could talk with him and have a, a, a conversation without screaming. So they were likely close. Now, I don't think it was in a calm, easy voice because they were in such pain. But they're having those last couple hours of their life as they can converse with Jesus. Again, no mistake that Jesus is on the center cross. No mistake that the sign above his head says what it says. No mistake that those two thieves are on the cross that day. God makes no mistakes. All right, And so they see. Now maybe they're angled a little towards each other. If you were cruel and unusual and you wanted to torture people like the Romans did, wouldn't you face those people a little so you could see how bad it was and imagine how bad you yourself were. Enough where you could see. And of course they were way up high. All right, They were way up high so everyone could see what it was that was happening. So, there they are. There's the three men on the cross. And we'll read as we go on to verse number 35 through 38, please. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with the derided him. Derided him, saying, Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him victory. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, in Latin Hebrew, this was the king. Okay, so here they are. And this is what we want to think about. I said there's no mistakes. And we see that the one thief on the cross has a change of heart. What is it that brings that? God whispers something. The Bible says that we only can love God because He first loved us. The only way we can spiritually see anything happening Is if God himself reaches down and literally gives us a little bit of sight. That's the only way we as humans can understand. God gives us spiritual insight. We sing those songs, I saw the light, right? Because God shines something in our heart that says, oh, I never realized what that was like. It's a revelation of sort. It's that little twinge of understanding. Something deeper. And I think that thief on the cross, of course, watched as Jesus was crucified. As he didn't scream out, but said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And then he listened to the people as they screamed. And what did they say? Now, maybe he didn't know who Jesus really was, but we just read through two things, and what did they call him? What did they call him? They actually told some truth in their accusations. If you are what? The Christ, the chosen of God. If you are really the Messiah then come down. Now this man probably did not spend much of his life ever thinking about God. Not much. But here he is faced right with death. Here he is hanging in shame for what he had done and God is now reaching out putting all of this evidence out in front of him. And says, even those people down there, they're saying that he is the one that's supposed to come. And I've watched him, and I've seen what he's done. And then I look at the sign above his head. It doesn't say a crime. It just says, this is the king of the Jews. Now probably he didn't read latin and maybe he only read hebrew maybe he read greek we don't know but something in his mind as he read that sign clicked because what does he ask him as we go on he asks him a very different question nothing that you would ever ask to another common thief you have to already believe something about jesus verse number 39, uh, and let's read, well, just read 39 first. Okay, so that's the one guy. Now again, he's seen the sign. He's looked at everything. He's watched Christ be nailed to the cross, and his reaction is not the same. Let's keep going. Verse number 40 through 42, please. The other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. We said unto thee, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. All right. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, he has realized, or believed, somewhere, a twinge of something that he has a kingdom, that he really is a king. If he's ever seen a king, probably not in his life, but what is this man fighting for? He's fighting for the freedom of Jerusalem. All right, he, he got wrapped up and did wrong things and didn't go about it in the right way, but he was what he would call a freedom fighter. He was looking for a righteous leader to lead him. Now we got Barabbas, who was just a murderer, and it wasn't very good, but he still had something in his mind where he was thinking, I'd like to turn this place around. I don't want these Romans here controlling our lives. I want freedom. And in order to have freedom, somebody has to lead something. And I think as he watched Jesus, he says, if there was ever a real leader, if there was ever a real king, that's who I'd want it to be like. That's the guy I'd want it to be. Something clicked in his mind, and I think God, like I said, put all the things in front of him as he watched. And Jesus had his mother at the base of the cross and John. And the thief watched as Jesus said, John, take care of my mother Mary. Not, I'm in pain and give me something. No, John, take care of my mother. Take care of her. Thinking of other people the whole time. And so, here it is. He lays it all out and the thief sees and and says, I don't know who you really are, but you're a king of some sort. You are not guilty of anything. Even the sign above your head doesn't say you're guilty of anything and you're dying. So it must be in some kingdom because if you if this was your kingdom, you wouldn't be crucified in it. And God gave him some light to understand his kingdom was not in this world. His kingdom was in another dimension another realm in a way that only we can be touched by the spirits in our heart and that's how God touches us now he as a thief is up there and he is all alone there's nobody gonna help him not a person gonna help him up there but Jesus will help him and Jesus is today Today you will be with me in paradise. Verse number 44. It was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having thus said, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. So as they watched, they saw things happen. They understood the things that happened. And this all happened... The thief believed that very small, tiny bit of faith, enough to get him into heaven. He believed before any miracle happened. He didn't watch a miracle. He only watched who Jesus was. That's all he watched. So when God comes and touches our hearts, and we see the evidence all around us, when God is trying to poke inside of you to say listen to me i've got a message for you i've got something for you personally i have a word for you i have a revelation for you listen to that it was enough on that day for the one thief to gain access to eternal paradise just with one little tiny bit of belief So all Jesus says is all you need is faith the size of a tiny seed and it will grow into something big. Tiny little seed. Nothing extraordinary. You don't need to say I'm going to walk to my death at that moment, okay, on my faith. It's just a tiny little bit of belief and it gets you to the place where you understand and God speaks to you. And you make a decision for God, all right? And that's it's essentially all the thief on the cross did. There was no more. He could never be baptized. He could never do anything else but sit and die. Stop mocking Christ, because he too was mocking at the beginning. Stop mocking Christ and then the end of his life. So I guess the last couple hours at least die in such a way where you've really lived. If you only have two hours left of your life and everything's pretty much nailed down what's going to happen, it's just a matter of time, you need to know where you stand with God. You never know where we are in our life. We never know what things God has been allowing into our life, what evidence. And again, both thieves saw the very same picture. They saw the very same activities. They saw the very same things. One believed, one did not. No different evidence that they saw. One was willing. One where God was poking into his heart said, okay, and the other one said, no, I won't. And their eternities went separate that day. One thief went to eternal paradise, and the other one did not. All right, And so we look, pay attention to what God is saying, those little things in our hearts. God is poking us and pricking us and He's waiting for us to respond. Don't wait to respond to God. Do it right away, like that thief on the cross. Here's his time, because the time comes and the moment passes. And oftentimes, you will never go that way again, right? So we listen, we look, and we pay attention because God's plan was there all along for that thief as He watched the entire thing play out and the decision, the moment of decision came for him and he made the right choice. Thank you very much. have a good day. Smith.